When the race still lies before me And the wind is blowing strong When the witnesses surround me And my strength is almost gone When the valley plunges deeper And I shatters all my dreams Then I lift my voice to Jesus And He gives my spirit wings God gives wings, God gives wings as eagles. God gives wings to fly and strength to rise above. God gives wings, God gives wings as eagles. When my feet began to stumble. And my dreams began to crumble. I mount up on eagle's wings. Let us run the race with patience. Let us lay each weight aside. Looking only unto Jesus, He will be our faithful guide. He has run the race before us, He has won the victor's crown, and He calls to every Christian, follow me to higher ground, God gives wings as eagles, God gives wings to fly and strength to rise above, God Began to stumble and my dreams began to crumble. I'm out upon eagles. I'm out upon eagles. I'm out upon eagles wings. Eagles wings. I'm Yesterday, we were out here at the church and uh, the kids went outside and like, Dad, there's a bald eagle. It was sitting right out in that tree out there. And we're looking, it was right there and it flew right over us. It was really neat. Don't get, usually see them that close. But I was wishing I had a camera too because it was a great photo moment that I was prepared for. But I thought that was pretty neat. But anyway, we'll go ahead and go to the book of Hebrews this morning. Hebrews chapter 9. Right now, we are, uh, or just Wednesday. Anybody know what Wednesday was? Ash Wednesday, right? Ash Wednesday. And um, I'm going to share a little bit of my thoughts on Ash Wednesday. I guess you could say today that, uh, well, might not be too positive. But, uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of tradition and stuff that goes with it. But one thing that this time that we're in right now, it's also known as Lent, Right? And uh, and if you're if you're Catholic, you're not supposed to eat fish on Fridays. And they used to have to go the whole 40 days without eating any fish, but they're always making things easier and easier and stuff. 
But um, people, a lot of times, I've, I'll hear them talking, and they'll say things like, "What have you, you know, what did you give up for Lent? You know, you're supposed to give up something. You know, give up television. Well, nobody does that. Forty days without television. You know, people aren't going to do that. You know, give up. You know, well, I'll give up soda pop, or I'll give up smoking, or I'll, you know, I'll give up beating my wife for forty days. I mean, you know, just it's usually pre- it's usually pretty easy stuff that people want to give up, and. Um, it's really what it is, without going into the whole definition of everything um, about Lent, it really it's a type of penance. And you may uh, be familiar with that word. And I want to talk this morning about really the evil of penance. Penance on the surface, it might seem like a good thing. Well, you know, yeah, giving up sin, making up for your sins, well, that seems all good and innocent, doesn't it? But when you look at what the Bible says about our sins... And what it took to, you know, forgive us of our sins and to pay for our sins, you'll see that penance is absolutely—I mean, it's a—it's a slap in Jesus in the face of Jesus Christ, and we should not participate in that at all. And so, I want to read a verse to you, Hebrews chapter nine, verse twenty-two, to kick this off. And it says, "And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood." Is no remission. Many of the songs we sang this morning, songs about the blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And we'll talk more about that, but I want to tell you, you know, a little bit about penance. But penance is, uh, if you're not sure what it is, it's actions done to signify repentance for sin. By the end of the 6th century, penance was one of the seven sacraments of the Catholic Church. And in the best cases, acts of penance were the fruits of repentance mentioned in Scripture. But there were, there were abuses since it gave the church great power over the people. Unscrupulous priests could withhold full forgiveness unless certain penance was done, including the transfer of money, land, or political power. Many soldiers went on crusades as an act of penance. And the sale of indulgences that sparked the Reformation was based on the principles of penance. So, I mean, you can see how this would be a very strong thing. I mean, you know, sometimes I look at that and like, maybe I should preach on penance. You know, it's like if somebody does something bad, you know, Pastor, hey, you know, I, I did this sin. Well, you can take care of that, you know, cough up the dough and uh, we'll, you know, we'll take care of you. And that happens and it's definitely happened uh, throughout history. But this definition of penance, this is something, this is, this is from the Catholic Church. This is what they teach. But penance, it's a sacrament in the Roman Catholic Church in which a person is repentant, expresses an intention not to continue sinning, and confesses the sins to a priest. The priest may require penance, for example, prayer, fasting, or abstinence, and or restitution, making things right, depending on the nature of the sin. Then as God's representative, the priest extends absolution or forgiveness. Catholics are expected to participate in the sacrament of penance which is also called the rite of reconciliation at least once a year. Okay? That is a still a practice. You can go on the Catholic website and they will tell you that this is, this is what it is. They still practice it. And like I said, on the surface, it seems kind of innocent, doesn't it? The Webster's 1828 dictionary of, or a definition of penance. It's, a, it's the suffering, labor, or pain to which a person voluntarily subjects himself or which is imposed on him by authority as a punishment for his faults, or as an expression of penitence, such as fasting, uh, flagellation, wearing chains, etc. And there's many cases every year of people who have themselves crucified or beat with a whip 
and suffer all kinds of pain for remission of sins. That's why they do that. I mean, they will literally, people will get nailed to a cross. Well, isn't that wonderful? Those people are so sorry for their sins. They're so sincere about paying for their sins that they're, you know, they'll go get themselves nailed to a cross. However, in the Bible, it's clear that remission of sins, it's not an annual thing. It's a one-time thing. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Read a verse of Scripture to you there. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. I'll read it. I might quote it wrong. It says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Okay. Now, when you get saved, how many times do you get saved? Is that an annual thing? No, it's a one-time thing, isn't it? You get saved one time. Repent and be baptized. What does it mean to repent? It's a change of mind. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What's the gift of the Holy Spirit? We don't have time to go on that. But it's not speaking in tongues. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit indwelling you and living inside of you. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. And so when you get saved, the gift of the Holy Ghost is given to you. And it's clear throughout the Scriptures. We're not going to do a whole message on eternal security this morning. But you can't lose your salvation. And it's notice how it says in there, do that, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Salvation is what when you get saved, when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that saves you. And the remission of sins was by the blood of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, that one time, His blood that He shed paid for the sins of the whole world. It was a one-time thing. And while it is good for us to remember Jesus Christ's sacrifice, and we do that by observing things like the Lord's Supper, while we remember that, we don't ever need to do it again. Jesus Christ doesn't need to die on the cross again, and we certainly do not need to nail ourselves to a cross. We don't need to, you know, we can't, we cannot pay for our sins. And we're going to look at that more a little bit. I mean, it, it just, it can't be done. But I want us to be, but at the same time, you know, we like to pick on maybe the Catholics because of the penance they do. But you know, sometimes even Baptists, we kind of have our own methods of penance that we do. And I believe that this type of thing it leads us to some dangerous places if we're not careful. But here's some differences I think between Catholic penance and Baptist penance. All right, for for a Catholic, and this is uh, these are on their website. This is examples of ways they can do penance. But for the, the Catholics, believe that only a priest is the minister of the sacrament of penance. For the valid absolution of sins, it is required that in addition to the power of order, the minister has the faculty to exercise that power in respect of the faithful to whom he gives absolution. So if you want to you know, get penance, do penance for your sin, you have to go to the priest and the priest gets to pick something for you. And the priest, all right, you know, all right. sometimes I think that would be kind of fun. You know? I think I could use that. You know, mow my lawn. For a whole summer, you know, uh, that, you know that'll be penance. You know, uh, that wasn't too bad. Go fill up my car with gas. I mean, and I, I'm sure it's a little more discreet, you know, and not as obvious how they do it. However, um, only the priests can do it. And Baptists, we like to pick on them for that. But you know what we do sometimes with, when it comes to our own penance? We just make up our own punishment. We sometimes will do things, and I've seen Baptists do that before. Where they will just kind of well, I'll punish myself for it, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, I skipped church. Well, I'll just make sure I won't skip for the next month. Like going to church every week is a is a punishment. 
You know, I mean that, that's kind of how we act sometimes. Oh, you know, I'll, I'll do something nice. You know, I'll give I'll give extra in the offering. Like you putting money, you know, you you can use money to pay for your sins. I mean, that's a horrible attitude. And we do. We'll just kind of make up our own thing because a lot of times as Baptists, because we believe Christ's blood pays for all our sins, it's like we want to take advantage of the grace of God, and that's a terrible thing to do. But uh, for the Catholics, they believe that without sorrow for sin, there is no forgiveness. So, for example, if the priest thinks, I don't think you're really sorry, he's not going to grant you forgiveness. He's not going to allow you to do it. You've got to really be sorry. You know, where the Baptists, you know, oh, I skipped church. Well, I'll just make up for it with some extra Bible reading. Once again, like reading the Bible is a punishment. So you're, you're going to punish yourself by reading the Bible. You know, it's a, it's like parents sometimes, they'll use that as a punishment on their kids. You have to read your Bible. Probably, you know, I don't know if that's necessary, but it's, well, it's good for your kids to read the Bible. I don't know if we want to make it a punishment. <laughs> we don't want them to associate reading the Bible with punishment. But sometimes that's how we are, isn't it? That's how we do things. We act like the things that we're supposed to do is a punishment. Also, for the Catholic uh, penance, the absolution given by the priest to a penitent who confesses his sins with the proper dispositions remits both the guilt and the eternal punishment of mortal sin. There remains, however, some indebtedness to divine justice which must be canceled here or hereafter. For example, in purgatory. Alright, and that's another subject there. There's no purgatory, folks. Uh, I, I kind of believe in purgatory. I've been saying for the last couple of years, it's in that big freezer at Walmart that I've been working at. And I refer to that as, as purgatory, but um, I don't really believe that. I, but I do feel that way sometimes. But in order to have it canceled here, the penitent receives from his confessor what is usually called his penance, usually in the form of certain prayers which he is to say or of certain actions which he is to perform, such as visits to a church, the stations of the cross, etc. Alms deeds, fasting, and prayer are the chief means of satisfaction, but other penitential works may also be enjoined. The quality and extent of the penance is determined by the confessor according to the nature of sins revealed, the special circumstances of the penitent, his liability to relapse, and the need of eradicating evil habits. Sometimes the penance is such that it may be performed at once. In other cases, it may require more or less considerable a period as where it is prescribed for each day during a week or a month. But even then, the penitent may receive another sacrament, like Holy Communion, immediately after confession since absolution restores him to a state of grace. He is nevertheless under obligation to continue the performance of his penance until it is completed." So, I mean, boy, it gets really complicated, doesn't it? And it gets really hard. I mean, some of these penance, depending on how bad you are, it might take you years and months. And But with Baptists, when we do something really bad, oh, well, I can't lose my salvation. And so, you understand, while we like to pick on the Catholics for this idea of penance, sometimes it's like, I think we do something worse almost by just acting like it's no big deal at all. I mean, good night, at least these people are sorry for what they're doing. A lot of times, we're not even sorry for the sins that we do. We're not sorry for the things that we do. We don't, we're not sad. We're not broken that we disappointed God, that, we, that you know, our sins that we did, that we, you know, we let Him down, that we grieve the Holy Spirit that is what is keeping us saved. 
And we don't want to do that. The Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. Romans 6.1 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We see that. I mean, that is a, that is a horrible attitude. Just because the, great, I mean, the grace of God is an amazing grace that we do love to sing about, we should not take advantage of it. And nowhere in the Bible do you see eternal security taught as something that we can use so we can take advantage and so we can just sin. And a lot of times we do. We give people the wrong idea because we believe in eternal security. We'll go and we'll get involved in all kinds of sins and we feel like it's okay because we can't lose our salvation. And what a horrible testimony that is. One to lost people that see that. They see you doing the same things that they do, the same sins that they don't want to give up, and then you know, and but you go around bragging about the fact that you're going to heaven while participating in those sins. I mean, that is a horrible attitude. It's something that we ought to be ashamed of, and we're taking advantage of the grace of God. And you need to be careful of that because you got to understand that if you are saved, the Bible says, "For whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom He receiveth." If you're a child of God, He's not going to let you get away with it like lost people get away with it. So we need need to be careful. It's a horrible attitude, and but this idea of penance, some of these things, you know, they might seem harmless. I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's okay in certain you know certain extents. You want to make up for your sins. For example, if I sin against someone, you know, it's okay for me to try to make it up to them. You know, if I go and I break something of yours, I if I was being careless. I should replace that. I should take care of it. You know, kids, they're all, you know, they're fighting with each other. There's nothing wrong with them making up for what they did to their brother or their sister. But when it comes to the sins that we have done against God, this idea of penance that we can make up for our sin, that we can pay for our sins, I believe it has some very dangerous effects and it can get us in a lot of trouble. And when you see what the Bible says about our sin, I believe it's just pure evil. For us to do that type of thing, and so notice First John chapter three. Turn over there. One of the effects that this idea of penance causes is one. It causes us to take sin lightly. First John chapter three and verse one. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. You know, we need to understand that there was a reason that God sent Jesus Christ into the world to pay for our sins. And it was because He was the only one that had the ability because in Him was no sin. You and I, we can't pay for our sins because we're sinners. We deserve it. I can't pay for someone else's sins because I am a sinner. How, how could I do that? How could I you know, forgive sins like Christ does? I can't pay for them. It would, mean, it would be like me... Going, maybe you owe the credit card company a whole bunch of money. I mean, you've maxed out your credit card, you've run up this huge debt, and then you come to me and say, Pastor Tommy, I owe 
$10,000 in his credit card. And I said, well, you know what? I forgive you of that debt. You are released. Now, do I have the right to do that? Absolutely not. Now, if I have the ability to cough up the money to pay for it, I guess I could do that. But you know what? I don't. And so you can come to me and ask for forgiveness of your debt that you did against somebody else, but I can't help you there. I have no right. And the sin debt that we owe, we owe it to God. And you can't pay it. I can't pay it. No priest can pay it. The Pope can't pay it. You know, Liberty Baptist Church can't pay it. Jesus Christ was the only one that could because in Him was no sin at all. That's why it took someone holy. It took that sinless, that spotless Lamb. It took Jesus Christ. And that was a big deal, Jesus Christ coming to this earth. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, He made Himself a little lower than the angels. He took upon Himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and was found in fashion of a man and He, and he humbled Himself and He came, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It was a big deal, Jesus Christ coming and paying for your sins. You know, that's one of the reasons I don't like having pictures and things of Jesus Christ on the cross. I don't believe there's a picture that can do justice to show or that can show accurately what Jesus went through. I don't believe it's any something we can even totally comprehend. Even if we could visually see it, because we have no idea what it would be like to be completely holy and to literally become this sinful man. Jesus Christ became our sin when He was on the cross. And it was so bad. It was so horrible. It was so disgusting. We see when Jesus was on the cross that there was darkness. And He cried out, My God, My God, why hast Thou forsaken Me? Why was there darkness? Why did God forsake Him? Because God literally had to turn away. He could not even look at our sin. He could not look at His own Son when He basically became us. It's that dirty. It's that disgusting. That is what our sin is. And it's a big deal. And for us to just go making up for our sins like we're paying for our sins causes us to take it lightly. For example, can you imagine what would go on on the roads if speeding tickets were $5? Well, good night. We'd speed all the time, wouldn't we? $5? I've heard of places where speeding tickets are real low like that. And people speed all the time because they don't care. I'll pay the 5 bucks, But you know, when it's you know getting up to seventy five and hundred and stuff like that, you're a little more careful, aren't you? And especially if you're in a construction zone, it's like four times that. And I'm, I mean, I'm nervous because I don't want to pay that. And many times, because of these little punishments that we make up that we don't see in the Bible, we don't see penance in the Bible. It's it's not there. We see remission of sins, but we see it came from the blood of Jesus Christ. Because it would be pointless for us to do that. I mean, it's it's a drop in the bucket. We can't do it. We can't pay for our own sin. Our sin is a big deal. It wasn't a big thing. It was a little thing. Listen, all sin in the eyes of God is a big deal. Look at James chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. Now, a lot of people will use that and say, you know, all sins are equal. And the truth is, there are... Big, there's some sins that are bigger than others. There are sins that come with greater punishment than others. There are sins that have uh, you know, more devastating results than others. Okay, It's a sin if you hate your brother. The Bible says you're a murderer in your heart. But you know what? I would rather you murder me in your heart 
then murder me for real. Okay, obviously, there's a bigger problem there, isn't there? But when it comes to, when the, James 2.10 is talking about this here, it's showing us that if you've, if you've committed one sin, you are a transgressor of the law. You are a lawbreaker. Therefore, you deserve to go to hell. And Jesus Christ had to die on the cross and pay for your sins. Oh, my sins weren't a big deal. Yes, they were a big deal. Listen, I don't care what the rest of the world has done. I believe that whatever little sins you think you have in your life, if you were the only person that ever got saved, Jesus Christ would have had to die the exact same death He did for your what you call little sins that you don't think are a big deal, that you think you can make up for just by putting a little bit extra in an offering plate or just by reading your Bible a little more. Your sins that you commit, no matter how small, those sins Jesus Christ had to die on a cross for. And for us to think that we can make up for our sins is very, very sad, I think. But also, another result of penance, I think another thing that penance causes, it causes us to take sin lightly, but it also removes the need to walk with God. See, if we're walking with God, we're not going to intentionally be committing these sins. Okay, now we all are still sinners. We read in that verse, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. We're not like Christ yet. Hopefully someday we'll be like Christ. And the Bible commands us to walk in the Spirit. And when we do that, we'll not fulfill the lust of our flesh. We, I mean, we, for us not to sin, it takes some effort, doesn't it? We're going to have to get close to God. I mean, it's going to take some prayer. And you know, and when we get in the flesh, we're going to sin again, but we've got to continually walk in the Spirit. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, it mentions Enoch. It says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, Hebrews doesn't tell us what it was that Enoch did that pleased God. But if you go in Genesis... You know what the Bible says? Really, all it says about Enoch? He walked with God. Enoch walked with God, and the Bible finally says, and he was not, for God took him. And the truth is, if we have the right mindset about just how bad our sin is, if we would, if we would really treat it as something that's a big deal, that it's something that grieves the Holy Spirit, something that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross for. We're going to make an effort not to do it, and we're going to. Have, and for us to not sin, the only way that you and I cannot sin is for us to be walking in the Spirit. And as long as we're walking in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I'm not going to tell you it's easy to walk in the Spirit. It's hard. I mean, we've got to crucify this flesh. We got to die daily to the flesh. And if we if we realize that's a big deal, we're going to take this thing serious, and we can we can get victory. Over sin, we don't have to keep messing up and making the same mistakes over and over again. But unfortunately, because we think we can just make up for it by just some little thing, or just uh, I'll just I'll just ask God to forgive me. He always forgives, and yes, He does always forgive. But boy, you know, we really don't. We shouldn't want to take advantage of it. It's like, oh, who cares? God's going to forgive. You know, oh well. No, we need to treat it like a big deal. Galatians five sixteen says, "This I say: Walk in the Spirit; ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh." For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. We see how important it is that we walk in the Spirit. The flesh is always fighting against it. The Spirit's always fighting against the flesh. And if we're not going to sin, we've got to walk in the Spirit. We're going to have to walk with God. And many people, 
They're not interested in a walk with God. Ah, who cares if I forget to read my Bible? Not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal if you realize if you don't read your Bible, you're more likely to sin. Oh, so I don't pray that much. It's not a big deal. It is a big deal if you realize if you're not praying, you're more likely to sin. I mean, if you know, if if you're just if you're reading your Bible regularly, if you're praying regularly, it's going to be harder for you to get in the flesh. And we've all been there before where we've lost our tempers and we've gotten the flesh and we've done things that we wish we hadn't done. And you know, we ought to wonder sometimes, you know, what if I'd been reading my Bible before that instead of watching a violent television show? Maybe if I'd have just been reading Turn the Other Cheek instead of watching, you know, some movie about vengeance, I would have turned the other cheek instead of taking out vengeance. You see, if we feed that flesh, we're going to do the things of the flesh. But once again, we don't think it's a big deal that we continue sinning as a Christian because, hey, we're going to be like Christ someday. So who cares about today? We ought to care about today. If you really have that hope, the Bible says we purify ourselves even as He is pure. But also, this idea of penance, it causes us to take sin lightly. It removes the need to walk with God. And then here's the other thing it does. It removes the need for the blood of Christ. Hebrews 9.22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Without shedding of blood. And by the way, not just any blood. Your blood cannot pay for your sins. The blood of a lamb cannot pay for your sins. It all, Jesus Christ is the only one. I read a story one time about a nun who literally bled a lot of herself out to try to pay for her sins. It doesn't work. Our sinful blood isn't going to accomplish anything. The blood of Christ is the only one. And you know, the, the, uh, the, there's no sin that can be removed without blood. And there's no sin that cannot be removed by the blood of Christ. And thank God for that, that He can cleanse us from any sins. This is one of the main beliefs of the Baptist faith, and it's one of the most attacked. I mean, we got it right there in the flag, you know, the book, the blood, and the blessed hope. We sang songs this morning about the blood. You know, many of the Bibles today are removing, the translations are removing verses about the blood. You know, I don't like to pick on groups and religions, but, you know, I just recently got fired up by these, this group, but the Jehovah's Witnesses, for example. They don't like to talk about the blood of Christ. And you know, I was looking at some of uh, at the Jehovah's Witness Bible, the New World Translation. I don't recommend that you get one of those. Uh, you'll be missing a lot of good stuff if you get that. But I want, to, I, want you to, I want you to look at a few verses and see what they say. And we're going to look at what their Bible says. Because you'll see that... And their, their Bible is not the only one. Many of the other ones remove verses about the blood. They move, uh, remove mentions of the blood. And you cannot do that. The blood of Christ, I mean, this is so crucial, it's so important. But look at uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 9. This one's not about the blood, but I saw this and I thought this was just hilarious. Uh, Romans chapter 13, verse 9 says, For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Did you notice the one that said, Thou shalt not bear false witness? Now, if you are going around referring to yourself as a witness, and you're telling people there's no such thing as the Trinity, that Jesus was not God, if you're telling people that there is no hell, if you're removing the need for the blood of Christ and saying it's about works, you've got to know if you've ever read the Bible 
that you're bearing false witness, right? And I would think that verse would probably get pretty convicting, right? So, how about we get rid of it? Because in their Bible, in the New World Translation, Romans 13.9, follow along in your Bible, but this is what there says, for the law code, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet, and whatsoever other commandment there is. They skip, thou shalt not bear false witness. Now that, you know, that makes me mad, but you know, hey, that's at least they're being a little bit honest right there. You know, they just they left it out, you know, because they're they're doing it. And I guess they thought that's going to get too convicting for our folks if we leave that in there. We're sending them out to bear false witness. And it says that there, but they leave that out. But not only that, and look at Colossians chapter one, verse fourteen. Colossians one fourteen, it says, In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption. We have remission. We have salvation through His blood. Through the blood of Jesus Christ. New World Translation. By means of whom we have our release by ransom, the forgiveness of our sins. You know, that doesn't even sound as good. I'm tired of all these Bible translators saying we're going to make it easy to understand. And then they just write stuff that doesn't even make sense. I mean, I... It just, that just irritates me to no end. But we have our release by ransom. Well, where does the ransom come from? Well, it, you know, it comes from the blood of Christ. Well, if you don't have that in your Bible, how are people supposed to know that? Maybe I can get my ransom. Maybe I can pay my own ransom. Maybe I can do it my own way. Maybe I can work my way. Maybe if I knock enough doors and get enough people out of Bible-believing churches, you know, I'll get, I'll get there that way. Maybe that's what it is. It can be whatever you say it want. But the Bible says we have redemption through His blood. We've got to understand that, folks, that that blood that Jesus shed, that was payment for our sins. That crucifixion, when we read the story of the crucifixion, we see it in all four Gospels. We've got to understand that was payment for my sins. We've got to take it personal. We've got to understand what a big deal it was. And when you see the way Jesus suffered on that cross, when you see what He went through, and when you understand what a big deal your sin is, you're not going to be playing these little games to make up for your sins, you're going to, in real sincerity and in real sorrow, you're just going to ask God to forgive you. Lord, I can't do I can't. I can't make up for this. Lord, I'm sorry. You know, and if you mean it, you're probably not going to be as likely to do it again. You might slip up now and then, but boy, just us playing games, what that does. 1 John chapter 4, verse 3. And every, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And that is the spirit of Antichrist. Wherever ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Now, why does it refer to Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Why does it make that big deal about Jesus Christ coming in the flesh? Why does it, why does it do that? Because Jesus Christ is God. Okay? I'm here today in the flesh, but who cares? I'm just me. Okay? Jesus Christ, if he was just another man, who cares? Why why specify? Why make a big deal about the fact that he has come in the flesh? Well, it was a big deal with Jesus Christ because he was God. He was God. He came in the flesh. That's why it specifies that. That's why it makes a big deal about it, because it was God on the cross. It was God 
that died and paid for our sins. It was Him that suffered. It was, it was the blood of God that was shed that day through His Son, Jesus Christ. And therefore, it was a big deal. It's something unlike anything else anybody else can do. It had to be God. Okay? It couldn't have just been another man in the Jehovah's Witness Bible. But every inspired statement that does not acknowledge Jesus does not originate with God. Furthermore, this is Antichrist-inspired statement that you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. Notice what it says here. Just any inspired statement that does not acknowledge Jesus. Well, acknowledge what about Jesus? You know, what's it even talking about? Well, so as long as I mention Jesus, I'm okay, right? Because they mention Jesus. They will talk about Jesus. They'll talk about what a great man He was. What a great prophet He was. That He was the first creation of God. That He was... you know, And they come up with all these goofy things. But they, they acknowledge Jesus that He existed. But they don't acknowledge the fact that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. They will not acknowledge that. And it is not a surprise that they took that out of their Bible. This idea of the blood of Christ... Is something that is attacked because when you study, you read the verses about the blood of Christ, we are reminded, and it is shown clearly, that we can't make up for our sins. And when you study these things, you'll understand, you know, no, no amount of work that I can do could ever earn me one second into heaven. No matter how much I go to church, no matter what good things I do, no matter how much I give in the offering, it can't make up for my sins. Only the blood of Christ was able to cleanse me of my sins. And we've got to understand that. People have got to, they've got to admit that. And the, this idea of penance and thinking you can make up for your sins, playing these little games, I think it's a shame and it's sending the wrong message. It's causing people to accept a lie. And that's why so many people, if you ask them, if you die today, do you know for sure you go to heaven? They can't give you a straight answer. All they want to do is just talk about themselves. Well, you know, I think I'm a pretty good person. I've never, you know, I've, I've never done anything to anybody that didn't have it coming to them. I had somebody answer, answer me like that one time. You know, they, they start talking about how good they are. But if you study the Bible, you'll see that, folks, we aren't even close. I mean, on your best day, you didn't deserve one minute into heaven. We deserve to be in hell. And if we understand that, if we recognize that, you know what it's going to cause us to do? It's going to cause us to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Lord, save me from my sins. Dear God, please forgive me. Lord, I accept that free gift of salvation. Why didn't He charge us something for it? Because we, there's, there's no way we could have paid it. We didn't, we didn't have a chance. There was no way He paid for it for us. So to ask us to pay something, it would, it would make no sense and it would send the wrong message. It would make it look like our sin is not a big deal. And we have to understand that our sin is a big deal. Christ's sacrifice, it was the only thing that could possibly pay for sin. His blood was holy because He was holy. Jesus Christ, He was God in the flesh and His blood was the remission of our sins and listen, I'm all for doing good stuff. Okay, I'm all for praying and reading your Bible, but don't ever think that you are making up for your sins by doing that type of thing. You need to understand that your sins, your sins put Jesus Christ on the cross. And if you want to go to heaven, 
You better just call on the name of the Lord for salvation. You better just ask for His forgiveness and ask Him to come into your heart and just humbly accept that free gift. You don't deserve it. And you can't get it on your own. And there's no other way to get it except through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So with that, let's all stand together.